And I had no idea how, how much we can unknowingly hurt ourselves in the process of pursuing what we think we want. Right. And then, you know, as many people have discovered, you just basically fall down one day and don't get up for a very long time. Hi, welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to healthy pelvic floors. I'm one of your hosts, Robin. I'm here with the innumerable Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hi. You got any fuck yeahs for us this week? Well, we did a witchy ritual. A ritual. A ritual. (laughs) That just sounds like we haven't seen it better. Um, Or we're five. Yeah. Uh it was really sweet. And I realized that I haven't done a lot of collaborative rich I mean, I don't know that it's that I'm embarrassed mm. around my witchiness. Mm-hmm. Or it's that like you don't have permission to like I, I can't totally own it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not qualified or something. So it's definitely something I tend to do on my own and not with somebody else so I think I had a little nervousness you did and then it was really nice and this morning we came up with these just fantastic I mean it's an incantation yes yes and on my way over here today I recited it great and and so it's a really nice touchstone and I think that that's the thing I love about magic is that Sometimes it just gives form mm. to the wishes. Yes. And then it gives you something to anchor around like, okay, this is now the thing that I can focus on uh, either the incantation or the tarot card that you pull uh-huh. or the vision that you have when you're in a more meditative state. And it helps to direct your action as well. Yes. And in a really heart-centered way. Uh, yeah, if if you if it had been my turn to do a fuck yeah, I would have said the exact same mm. thing because it was a really special evening, and I've always felt like a little embarrassed about that sort of thing too. Or I've in the past, until recently, kind of disregarded it. Right. But the way it felt is like whether or not the powders and the crystals and the tarot works in a magical, you know, worldly way. What it really did for me was. Being able to just talk about our wishes, where we want to go together as a team and really placing it deep in our bodies. Yep. That this is what we're doing. We're putting energy into it and thought and caring. Like I felt very cared for Mm -hmm. and listened to and seen. Yeah. And that in itself is so empowering. And I really loved the things that we came up with because on our own, I don't think we would have come up with those you know, particular phrases. And I was planning on, I haven't gotten to it this morning, but I'm going to be writing them and putting them in the office so we can just be like seeing these things. And really, I'm just excited about the future that we're planning together. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And one thing I just want to put out there, because you mentioned, you know, whether the crystals or the powders or Mm -hmm. the candles actually have these supernatural ability or, you know, powers or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that that is what I think people can really get wrapped into having the right thing. Right. And I really think that magic is about intention, Mm -hmm. like being real, like creating a container 
being really clear about your intention. And then the objects just become the symbolism, right? Uh, that or the the can, the thing that can hold the energy of that intention, mm-hmm. and then from there you really do have to put it into action. But you know you can make magic with the dirt from your garden. You know, like it yeah. does not have to be some expensive you know thing that Gwyneth Paltrow has put in her pussy mm. or something. <laughs> but it could be. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, that's what I love about it. It's like we really are getting into speaking with our deep inner core. And our deep inner core understands symbolism mm-hmm. and understands like intention and, and, you know, building things together. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Fuck yeah, all around. Yeah. So I'm really excited today because we are interviewing Sandra. Sex yeah. nerd Sandra. Yes. That is how many folks know Sandra. Yeah. No longer sex nerd Sandra. I know. But still very funny and still very nerdy. (laughs) And that's what I'm really interested in talking to them about their podcast that they had Mm -hmm. by the same name, Sex Nerd Sandra. It would not surprise me if people have listened to this podcast because it was fantastic. Yeah. And what happened? What happened? I'm so curious. Me too. But I'm also really curious about their new endeavor, Mm -hmm. becoming a pelvic floor specialist? Well, it's, I think pelvic floor specialists can exist in any of the medical fields. Mm. So they're getting trained specifically as a physical therapist with a specialization in the pelvic floor is my understanding. I mean, it seems like a very necessary overlooked part of the body that is so important. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't even think to go to pelvic floor specialists or PTs for, a, you know, a variety. it doesn't come to mind. Yeah. So I want them to demystify this for us. Like, why do you go? Who needs it? Because right. I think a lot of us need it. Yeah. And I'm sure it's been pushed aside or not thought of just because of our culture's yeah. horrible relationship with sexuality. Yeah. Especially, yep. uh, you know, the nether region. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's not even name it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Let's, let's get, get into it. Oops. Sandra. Hi, Robin. So good to see you. It's been literally years. Yeah, literally. We were just talking about how uh, you were the first person to cha- train me on sex toys at the pleasure chest. And you were the first person to... um mentor me with pleasure education you got me started that's wild that is wild because i i think i thought you were a preschool teacher or something i had a very <laughs> right before the pleasure chest i had a very short stint as a uh, substitute teacher okay it was it was like not even a full term of doing that so i had no idea how badass you were i was like okay this preschool teacher sub teacher <laughs> is just all right here's a dildo let's talk about what Okay, don't get too scared there. I'm no. like, I had no concept of who you were. That's, I had no yeah. idea. <laughs> I had no idea. You never know how funny. people perceive you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For listeners, we have all known each other. Well, I've known Sandra since 2008. Wow. 2007. It might be 2007. I think when you started working at Babeland. Yeah. And yeah. then Babeland in Los Angeles. 
closed and then you started working at Pleasure Chest before I did. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah you were there already when I got wow, there. Wow, 2009. But, yeah, but yeah. pretty, I mean, like you started fairly soon after me at Babeland. I started fairly soon after you at Pleasure Chest and, uh, and then I started at Pleasure Chest. So. Robin joined yeah. at Pleasure Chest a few years later and in her interview was talking about being a substitute preschool teacher. And I only knew Robin <laughs> as a dom and as a performer. And I was like, you know what? This is this is going to be great. This is perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'll tell you, it was like, that was the hard time. It was not a good fit. It was not a great fit. I yeah. can imagine. I was like, I'm a dom. I can control kids. No, it's totally Yeah, different. I mean, you are great with kids, but... I think after going through the pandemic and sitting in on um, my kids' class, yeah, I realized that teachers are like a whole other species, yeah. that just really needs to be elevated. They they need to be elevated in our society as the gods and goddesses that they are. Yeah, it's incredible because, what they yeah, do. Yeah, their patience is unbelievable. Okay, so welcome, Sandra. Sandra. It's so good to see you. Like in person, yeah. I'm not used to saying people in the flesh anymore. It's like celebrities coming over to my house. Like, I remember you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, flashbacks of the before times. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And to, to finish off the whole pleasure chest thing, I'm sitting with Sarah to my left, who I was able to shadow for my first class ever. And then Robin to my right shadowed me. Is that correct? For yeah, the first right. class? Or was it just first this? like two classes? Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. we're really. Yeah, it's like that uh, women passing along <laughs> the, the knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Shifts. And then at some point I realized I was agender. So I don't know what the hell I am, but I was in it. It was like I was lying the whole time. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. It's hard uh, to keep realizing things about yourself. Tired of it. Just, it's it, very tiring. People are like, maybe you have ADHD. I'm like, I'm done with diagnoses. I have no more diagnoses. Don't want them. Yeah. I feel like I need two or three more and then I'll be done. Yeah. And then you got the full set. And you're like, you play? <laughs> yeah, I'll have like the whole set. All right. Uh, not that Sandra ever needs warm up. Shut up. But <laughs> Sandra knows the importance of a good one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to put you through some rapid I'm ready. questions to get you all juiced up. Okay. I don't know what any of this is about to happen. So Juice. what is the last podcast you listened to? Oh, God, I think it was like an NPR politics. Not interesting at all. Oh, that's no, no. That's yeah. very insightful. Well, the last pleasurable one, I think, was this Jungian life. Ooh, okay. what? That sounds interesting. It's three Jungian psychologists who are friends talking like out Jungian each other over different topics. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, living up to your name, sex nerd. <laughs> living up to your archetype. Yeah. Do you know what the last photo on your phone is? Oh, it's probably a screenshot. I mean, I think it's the shot of your uh, screenshot of your questions <laughs> oh, that you asked wait. me. Yes. Like I literally, that. I have a good 25,000 pictures on my phone and half of them are just screenshots of songs I like. <laughs> like it's bad. I'm not, maybe a you selfie. Pictures of songs. Yeah, so I Shazam them and then screenshot them <laughs> because I'm a grandmother. I just screenshot it so that I know. So I have an album of screenshots and it's mostly just songs because right. I have no memory for songs. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember who your first celebrity crush was? Oh, gosh. Uh, wow. 
really just send it back there, like really warm up the Go way back the trauma places. Um, <laughs> ah, no, that's I have no idea. I didn't really have so I being very polyamorous in just my nature. I realized at some point that when people would talk about crushes, they'd have like one crush mm. where I had like 20 crushes and it was, I was always crushing all the time. And I didn't understand that people had like a fixation on one person. So for me, I'm like, who did I not have a crush on? I don't even know. Like I, can you name five? I honestly, my entire childhood is just sort of weird locked in a box. So like, I remember being in a teepee and I was in second grade and I had a little bit of a crush on, I think her name was either Gwendolyn or I don't I it was a G word and she was very pretty <laughs> so and then Chris Guajardo in kindergarten he was my crush it was a, ma a main crush from kindergarten to fifth grade so we can't but every girl in Catholic school had a crush on him because he was very pretty as a boy he was he was there. Catholic school and teepees did you but is there a celebrity that oh yeah um like I, I don't know. For me, I'm so demisexual that like celebrities, like right now I'm really into Captain America, but mm -hmm. I don't actually want to do anything with him. I just think he's great. I want to like I just want coffee to... with him. I often have uh, probably Keanu Reeves maybe. Sure. Ooh. I, I have a lot okay, of things that I'm shopping that. at Home Depot with him. I don't know why. Which Keanu oh, Reeves? So wait, you, you crushed on him. Medium? Medium Keanu. When you were young and now you're, co you're we're like, like really good friends. Building things yeah. together. Yeah, like we're like looking at like blinds and oh. chains. I mean, it's not sexual, <laughs> but it's like a domestic crush, like it, a life partner crush. No, no, no. it is feels it like ego? either he's doing me a favor or I'm doing him a favor. Wow. And we're just making an excuse to hang out at Home Depot. I love asking this question. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, never yeah. know what the answer is. No, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like you have a little bit of a Keanu Reeves vibe. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So like I could see this being like if he's showing up in your dreams that maybe this is like some sort of exploration of a side of yourself. Wow. I, I love that. Yeah, I will take I that see, in. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. What was your first mode of masturbation? Oh, um, uh, unsuccessful. <laughs> I would say <laughs> that would be like dry rubbing my clit in the cloak of darkness, not being able to get to orgasm because I had no idea about lube, but being very in the ballpark. But my first successful, actually, my mom had a, her friend gave her a Hitachi. I think my mom had no idea what it was for. I used it. Boom, bang, bow. I was in business. Um, and Hitachi. So, yeah. Your time. Yeah. And then I read in Marie Claire in Texas that if you you know, lie down in the bathtub and let the water that's okay. falling hit you. So like that was so that was unsuccessful that's with awesome. my hand, Hitachi and water. That was more info than you needed. No, that was that, that is exactly the yeah. right amount of info that thank you for validating <laughs> me. I was a water masturbator. Yeah. My mom told me about it. She was like, you know, the shower head that's detachable is a nice way to spend some time with yourself but not the shower head i was full-on sticking my butt oh. under the thing that falls where did you figure that one out 100 percent, because my mom's bathtub had this detachable yeah thing, so you could lay in the tub yeah. then i had to be in my mom's bathroom that she also also shared with my stepdad and he 100 percent walked in on me yeah. doing that one day because I was supposed to be home alone and he came back for some reason and he yelled, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I yelled, get the fuck out. And then we never spoke about it again because he did get the fuck out and I didn't finish. Thank you very much. Um, but, but my own, I had in my bathroom, 
I, there was just a regular tub. And so I would just wiggle my ass under it. Yeah. Yeah. I was very tidy in high school. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm <laughs> fucking bathing <laughs> all the time. I did that once. And I can't, re- I mean, I remember this bathroom. We moved every year. So it was, I think our Foster Street house and my grandmother was in town. And after I got out of the bath, I just remember her going in there and was like, Sarah, what were you doing in here? There is water all <laughs> over the floor. And I never did it again. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't be discreet. So I just stuck with everyone the, with the doll head situation. Doll head situation. Yeah. I, was I was a humper. I was a humper. Like I had a friend in third grade. Face me. down doll head on the bed. And you're like rubbing up on a lot of the line. Yeah. And we were talking Barbie. We're talking we, like no, Cabbage Patch. Uh, cabbage Patch. Cabbage. Okay, great. And we would, hard uh, brown my friends and I would tell each other scary stories uh-huh they would the ma- they would hump to scary stories yeah they were like five what yeah like you'd hump and the other person would read from a book no we, we would make up read. scary stories no <laughs> we were in third grade we could oh i thought you said you were <laughs> How five does this no. play out in your current erotic no, actually <laughs> i just did the erotic blueprint mm-hmm. on uh jaya's yeah jaya's yeah, yeah. yeah. and um Gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it is the kinky, like it has to have an element of edge play or narrative or something that's like not supposed to be happening to really ignite my eroticism. And I was like, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't something that I learned until much later. Yeah. I should so. do that because I've tried identifying my erotic world uh, or the erotic mind. That book was really useful, mm-hmm. but it's just a book and the guy is dead now. So yeah. you can't do a <laughs> webinar about it. Yeah, yeah. So I, like you're reminding me that there's actual like interactive things I can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah let's yeah. tell listeners what that is. So it, I, cause I don't. So the erotic blueprint it was developed by jaya so you can go to missjaya.com but there's also petra zebroff is a sexologist who identified five erotic initiation styles that are kind of similar i mean they're they're in conversation with each other right mm-hmm. like it's similar modalities with jaya you can go you know you can actually pay to be a member of her site and then they'll give you like a really um specialized Mm. analysis but i think even just looking up the five erotic initiation styles can be helpful because for some people it's romanticism for others it's sensual touch for some people it is um there's one that's performative Mm -hmm. oh and i was like yes me yes 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 like it had there has to be an element of voyeurism or exhibitionism or you really like you know, accessories and gear and those right. kinds of things. This is like, let me sexy dance for you. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't do sexy dances, but I do. <laughs> I need outfits and motivation. <laughs> like, okay. like bumping is not enough. Like, I mean, it'd be like, but why am I cheating? Am I like, <laughs> yeah. Am I being paid for this? Like, like why motivation. are we having sex? Like, did we meet at a bar? Who are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I. Way being a married couple with two kids is not good enough. Yeah, (laughs) and it never has been, except for when I wasn't married with two kids. I'd be like, oh, what if we're married with two kids? You know, (laughs) yeah. You've got whatever I have is a narrative. I need something else. Yeah, but I think that it's. I do really think it's helpful for folks to figure out. Well, one that there's lots of different ways to get 
fucking turned on. Yeah. And that this idea that there's like spontaneous desire all the time at every stage in your life is some motherfucking bullshit. And even just knowing what the different styles are yeah. can spark yeah. some ideas. It's like the love languages yeah. for mm-hmm. fucking, right? Almost. Yeah. Back to Sandra. It's our motivation right now. Mm-hmm. Getting through this podcast, doing it, having a great time. <laughs> uh, so I... I highly doubt that anyone listening does not know who you are, but, uh, Oh, you'd be shocked how many people do not know who I am. (laughs) You'd be shocked. People who know who I am are like, everyone knows who you are. I'm like a very small sliver of the human population at this point in time knows who I am, but thank you. Sandra had an incredible (laughs) podcast called, it was just called Sex and Sandra. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was so fantastic. And I think that that and this is true of your teaching and your podcast is that there was always an integration of genuine curiosity, mm-hmm. humor, mm-hmm. and then a lot of really good information sharing. And I am sad that your podcast is not around anymore. And I'm just, and you're in the middle of a big career change. And we're definitely going to talk about that because I'm so curious about all the pelvic health stuff that you're doing yeah pt stuff (laughs) it's like gosh you are really working hard it's a lot but uh the podcast yeah what uh you know when you reflect back on that like what are your thoughts on the podcast why did you decide to stop doing it and do you still feel like do you feel any like longing for it great questions uh first of all i apologize because you're sad so I'm sorry that I made you sad. Um, it's so funny. When people ask me this question, they often will be like, why did you stop? Or are you, oh, no, no, no. They'll say specifically, it'll be like a party. I'll have like a, an olive in my mouth. And someone will say, are you going to still do it? do it? And I just crumble in shame and sad and embarrassment. And I'm like, I have a problem with that. And then I just sort of like shuffle into the darkness. Um, so I appreciate how you phrase the question. Um, and so, so oh, this podcast is a very cool time capsule of the time. And anyone who's like really hungry for sex knowledge right now coming, you know, out of like college or like early 20s probably hasn't heard of it because they would have been like, right. you know, kids when it was out. Um, so there's a whole new generation of people who need good information. So I'm so excited you're creating this podcast. The resources are important. So I had a really weird start in that my first podcast like skyrocketed in terms of yeah. popularity. And it was partly because I was partnered with a bunch of nerdy different podcasts. And it was the whole thing. We don't need to go into it. Um, but so I had always wanted to do radio. And I had never thought about... I love... I'm a person who loves to disseminate information. I am not a person who is that desirous of uh, attention. So suddenly having all of this attention was very uncomfortable for me. And um, that's like a very superficial way to describe it. But um, what is it that made you uncomfortable? Are you getting to it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's going to happen. So what I didn't really figure out till years later. So I'm just going to fast forward to all the like deep therapeutic epiphanies that I had in therapy. Um, I grew up a child of somebody who was desperately in need of recognition, like a narcissist who was a very loving father, but um, really moved to LA to be a star and a director and an actor, like all these things that a lot of people are, but his was a very like 
it had like kind of turned cancerous inside mm-hmm. him. So he raised me in this it, with a, so I grew up a very sensitive, I was born a sensitive person, like just already. So my natural way is to be very empathetic and like everything, I feel everything. And then I had a parent who was like in pain all the time. And both my parents were came from very traumatic backgrounds. And so I just, I didn't realize how much of that I brought on to myself. Um, so basically growing up and being very sad for my father, but also he'd be very angry. You know how some people get very bitter and angry at anyone yeah. who's successful? Yeah. So basically by being successful, I became everything my father hated. Oh. So, and I didn't realize that so much later. So I was both excited that I got to do the radio and disseminate info and like do the things, but also, also I just never really liked a lot of attention on me. And I had this feeling of like, you know, we talk about attachment styles now. It's like everyone's talking about fucking attachment styles. Right. Can I say the episode yeah, on here? Yeah, right. Yes. And so what do we do that feels a lot of what attachment, our attachment stuff kind of kicks in when we feel uh, unsafe. And so for me, doing something that would basically as an infant would kill me, like, mm-hmm. like we would, I would be dead if I were doing this as an infant, but I'm, I'm an adult person being very uh, admired and like doing these really cool episodes and like bringing all this info together. And it's an amazing time. And it's 2011, 2012. It's the, the dawn of podcasting. Everybody's having money's rolling in. Everybody's having a great time. Yeah. I was basically breaking myself from the inside. Wow. So by the time we got to like 2015, I was having lots of memory lapses. I was, I, I, I went to a college to do like a sex talk and I could not access any of the information they had. Like I barely got through that. Yeah. I basically was breaking. Um, and so I, um, I, what we would call that is dissociative amnesia. So I was basically having severe PTSD. It was like once I did some therapy for like a year or two, it like got downgraded to severe PTSD. But so that was a downgrade for what I was going through. So now I just have complex PTSD, which is great. I have very few memory lapses that I can, because you have to figure, if anyone, you can't figure out you have memory lapses until someone points out, uh, you did something weird there. Do you not remember that thing? And you go, oh shit, I don't. Oh crap, memory lapse. <laughs> like yeah. so, and it's different from just being forgetful. So basically, I had this whole weird thing. And so I have tried, I've tried, I started Patreon, and I feel so bad that I wasn't able to do it. Like I've tried all these different ways to make it accessible to me to podcast as a creator. And no matter what I do, some part of me basically takes my face and like <laughs> like pulls me back into the darkness. So I would love to podcast, but I something is still very in pain about the process. If I had known in 2013 that I was doing this, I could have probably found a sustainable way. But instead, I just, you know, pushed myself because everyone loved what I was doing. And everybody, you know, lots of people wanted to do what I was doing. Like, basically, it was such a desirable thing. And I had no idea how, how much we can unknowingly hurt ourselves in the process of pursuing what we think we want. Right. And then, you know, as many people have discovered, you just basically fall down one day and don't get up for a very long time. Yeah, I so. I can relate to that a lot. And I, how isolating that must have been because of what you're saying, how everyone thinks it's such a great thing. And yeah, you should exactly. be so happy about it. Yeah, it was really strange. Thank you for acknowledging how isolating it was. It was very hard. And when I started figuring out that people don't, and people shouldn't understand what dissociating, like true deep amnesia 
dissociating. Like once I started figuring it out and would talk about it as like, this is the reason I've been messed up. Then people were like, oh yeah, I totally get it. I forget stuff all the time. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> so, Not the same. so the, the figuring out the problem also was isolating because it just, it was like, it's nice to be special about something good. It's, really difficult to be special about things that are really bad i feel you yeah so i feel that um i would love to podcast maybe in my 40s who knows yeah but uh coming to do this thank you so the uh, if somebody wanted to just have me uh set up a studio and i could just show up and talk and they could book the clients and do all the posts then i could podcast but any of the any anything outside of talking i basically have a meltdown so this is fine i'm comfortable great i'm glad you're comfortable yeah i'm present hello so now you have this whole <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I just want to like first acknowledge that like uh, the vulnerability that it takes to share something like that yeah. is uh, very brave and can feel risky. And I really appreciate you sharing that because I, you know, I mean, Robin and I have been talking a lot about just, you know, the various things that we've gone through over the years. And I've had a number of like breakdown moments where I feel like, you know, just getting stripped to the stud. Mm -hmm. And I think that there can be such growth out of it. But oftentimes those things that are, that we can get really positively reinforced for have potential potentially been like survival mechanism for us. And so you're like, I'm in this difficult spot because I'm receiving all of this positive reinforcement because I have this muscle so overdeveloped. And yet it also kind of kills me inside to have to keep relying either on this skill or this survival strategy or whatever the case may be, you know? And so it's, I think that this is a very unique experience that you had, but one that people can probably really relate to. Cause I think a lot of people find like, oh, I just get re-traumatized. Yeah. No, I'm just sitting over here really <laughs> real hard. Oh yeah. Just uh, yeah. not the same. Like I haven't had that memory thing and I am very forgetful. That's weed. Um, <laughs> but it is like this thing of um, like I was raised with the way of the more stoic you can be, the better, mm. the less uh, it's almost like if you're getting accolades, then that that's a bad thing. Uh, you should just do your job quietly and and keep your head down and work, work, work. And I've been doing that for a long time. And now I'm like broke. I feel broke, not broke money wise. I feel broken. Mm. And I'm trying to like repiece things together and trying to figure out how I can live my life in a way that's going to be meaningful and healthy and mm. not break me. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I was starting to have fantasies about uh, being committed. I was like, wouldn't that be yeah. nice if I could be? And I know, and I don't mean this in a way of like, I understand what that means or anything. It was my mind going to a space of like, I want to be in a room where I, I just, you know, sit. Mm-hmm. And I don't have it to do You're anything not responsible. else because yeah. I can't, I feel like I'm about to just fall and yeah. like let all of the plates are going to crash, you know? Anyway, build no, no, it, but I, I do at the same time feel like I'm building myself up, you know? And I, and I feel like the three of us have all gone through a thing of a lot of metamorphosis going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like we're, we're pushing towards a certain thing and then we're like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't actually, this isn't actually the thing. 
and it kind of breaks us. And then we come back, repiece ourselves together in a new form that works better. And I would expect that we'll have to do that a couple more times. How that it ever end? Does I know? End? I know there's so much <laughs> life left. That, yeah, the human condition, <laughs> growing as a person. Oh, I just awesome. I just want to dig my heels and be done. Yeah. Well, you are making a really big life change. I am. I am. Actually, the what's something that Robin just said really. The whole like questioning what we need in our lives. I did a couple years ago. Um and answered it with, I need something sustainable mm-hmm. and I need something that I is not my passion, but is very close to my passion mm-hmm. because passion just, adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Like in the ballpark of something that lights me up and gives me my, myself meaning. But if I'm just going to go on passion, like I love, like fucking love interviewing people. I fucking love it. Like you know, I, I could just NPR all day. Like it is one of my favorite things. I think being driven by curiosity is amazing. And sure, if NPR was like, hey, do you want to just show up at our studio every day and do that? I'd be like, yes, please pay me. I will stop being a PT. Maybe, well, I'd always be a PT. But you know, like I, that's cool. But generally, I don't want to follow my passion because that's that I get tired after about three months. Mm-hmm. Like, so I can't, I can't do that. Um, especially it burns hot and fast. Exactly. You know, and I think we've all kind of learned that in our own ways. So I answered the question for myself and after interviewing tons of psychologists and uh, therapists and PTs and doctors and and meeting all sorts of different professionals at different conferences and things, I kind of realized that the sexuality aspect linked with the embodied, um, physical therapy aspect, movement and analyzing um, body mechanics and all the stuff that goes into that was sort of the perfect, there is no perfection, but a really great Venn diagram for me. So that's when I decided to go back to school to be a physical therapist with the hope and uh, goal of becoming a pelvic floor specifically trained physical therapist, which is its own subset. Um, So that's what I'm doing. I'm in year three, just started year three of three to get my license. And next week I go for my first internal pelvic floor training. And I'm so excited. Wow, I go inside great. buddies. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of spelunking. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to have like the little hat with the, with the <laughs> goggles for sure. A little hat with the uh, flashlight on it. I could <laughs> headlamp. The headlamp. headlamp. There you go. <laughs> Okay. That head flashlight? Yeah, that would be hilarious. Actually, well, it can get dark under the sheets. Um, no, I know that there will be lots of gloves and it'll, it'll be a lot of learning how to assess a pel- pelvis externally and internally. So there will be a lot of going internally, vaginally. So this is going to be a vaginal specific training. It's pelvic floor one. There's like four, four basic trainings that kind of get you the full gamut. So, do, you, do they have um, people? Or do they have like a pelvic floor model? Model. No, we are going to be practicing on each other. So I will both be the oh, doer and the doer. That is amazing. Because yeah. I, yeah, to, I mean, I'm guessing partly to give you the experience of what it's like to be a patient or just because. Yes. Yeah. To be a patient. Also, uh, it's cheaper than paying people. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I but definitely. it's like dumb training. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to, got to be sub first. Yeah. 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 Um. But I do want to know what it's like. I've already been to pelvic PT um, a few years ago, and it was eye-opening just because we didn't even need to really do an internal exam. I was having, sorry, 
we we're jumping all around. Oh, yeah, let's let's just do a baseline. Yeah. Okay. Of just like what the fuck is a pelvic health specialist? Okay. So this is an exciting time, Robin, for in I'm in excited. the medical world. Like the three of us, I can safely assume that we're all born with vaginas yep. and possibly ovaries and uteri. You know, I think have you both given birth? Yes. Hello. Yes. <laughs> I gave birth through an incision twice. Okay. Okay. And so. I gave vaginal birth. Okay. But you both just have one uterine. time though. Just like, once. Yeah. It <laughs> hardly counts. Oh boy. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so um as you may be aware that the gynecological field and the medical professional profession in general is misogynistic, racist, lots of intersectional fucked aptitude, um, but just kind of not, it's just not great and not comprehensive in terms of pelvic care. Yeah. And so, you know, it's important to have, like the medical, prof- like when we think about med- medicine, we think of doctors, specifically MDs, and then you have your nurses and you might have your physical therapist, but not a lot of people even know about them. Um, but it's mainly MDs and nurses, right? Mm-hmm. What else are the basic dentists? Um, They're not real doctors, though. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a, I mean, there's like a lot of like <laughs> technical roles to right. radiologists. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. sorts of different kinds of MDs, right? You have your... I can't even think of them like your feet doctors and your urologists, which is like your your bladder and and your you know penises and stuff. Like you've got all the different specialists. So the problem is in in this world, pelvis is kind of fell through the cracks in a lot of ways. So you go to your gynecologist; they're going to be really good at your uterus, but they're not necessarily going to do a ton past there, like right. into the the sort of un they're the sort of the empty space that we think of when we think of inside the hip bone but before you get to the uterus like who knows what's in there <laughs> not many people you do apparently yes. now oh, yeah we actually had to dissect an entire human so i have been inside right. the human body it's a lot wow yeah it, yeah what was that like it was okay i had to cut out the eyeball <laughs> which was <laughs> what i had like two weeks of like feeling it in my hand like i could still, still feel the vibration of the scalpel like i was like oh that was hard i think uh seeing their face finally the cadaver's face was hard but in terms of the pelvis it was eye-opening just how much empty space there is in there like yeah. how, like beyond the rectum beyond the uterus and like how things can shift it was very interesting huh. Um, getting into the heart and the lungs and like taking those out and like mm. seeing a person empty oh. was a very profound experience of, wow. like, of like, just, we have so much inside our torsos mm. and like yeah. to know how much, like how big the heart is. And then you take the lungs away and then you're basically looking like, think of like where your, your chest is, but I'm able to, I was able to look down and be able to see the spine. So like. So to be able to, I don't know, there's just something so, I mean, the viscera and the chest, like it's, it's the core of us. Yeah. I don't know. So it was just, that was near the end of it. And that's when I was like, wow, I really have done this. I really, it's, and I think the profoundness of the gift of the person who donated. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was like so grateful at that point. My mother donated yeah. her body. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it sounds like it's just like one of those moments where you're like, this is the real thing. Yeah. You know, because we live these lives that we do interact. We are in our bodies, but our minds get so lost. It is the- symbolism and culture and all kinds of yeah. 
things that we forget, like, yeah, we're hearts and lungs. And yeah, I didn't really want to know. I had a lot of uh, my, my mind actually fought back a lot at the beginning of like, no, this is just my forearm. I don't want to know what's in there. Like, I just want to I just want to know how to move it. And like, so it was really hard to really just get into the body, like um, behind the curtain kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And just really grapple with our mortality you know <laughs> it was so hardcore but now I have a much better sense of like what's going on in, in each layer of our body so it's it's important yeah yeah did you see fascia yeah oh yeah yeah I love that you brought up fascia fascia is so important yeah I feel like that's like a big well especially with like c-section uh you have to massage your fascia back in the shape yeah I think at so if we were to talk like a year, year and a half from now, I would be a completely different practitioner because I would have, there's a lot of training that I'm about to undergo. Right. Um, so I haven't. Oh, like, we will. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, this will be a, a yearly check-in. But yeah, and I don't mean to like ask you yeah. medical questions. No, 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 but fascia is really important. But the thing at this point that I has become very clear is just fascia is a layer and it's yeah. an ignored layer. Yeah. And people don't need to know a lot, but know that as we go through life, especially if we're not moving or if we have a surgery or something, those layers stick together. Yeah. So skin and past the skin, fascia, uh, muscle, maybe even some more fascia, then maybe fat or maybe the fat's on top of the muscle. I don't know why I'm saying those in opposite order, but like basically all these layers can stick. So sometimes discomfort just comes from the fact that we need to unstick the layers so mm -hmm. that's a very basic thing mm -hmm. you know to think about fascia i learned that all my fascia is basically stuck together like in my abdominal region that's why i went to pt as i was having some pain um and she did some magical like back front maneuvers to sort of she basically put her hands to my stomach and my back and uh rotated them in opposite directions and it it was a technique to help unstick because it's all connected and I felt amazing after wow. like she did yeah. some things okay I'm gonna stop nerding out ask yeah okay I <laughs> had an amazing experience with PT mm -hmm. and just didn't think of myself as someone who needed PT mm -hmm. as a fairly like you know uh I had good command over my body but was getting like knee pain and yeah. so forth and learned so much about just how all the muscles communicate and yeah. like you know I had really underdeveloped glutes mm -hmm. and super overdeveloped quads and she was so helpful in getting me to like feel back in my body um and feel in command of my body and so I'm curious why most well not why most people but why do people see a pelvic PT like what brings them in and I would imagine that we should probably be seeing pelvic PTs for like a whole host of reasons yeah, but no, I think question. my guess is that like around birth or those kinds of things maybe someone is driven to go see a pelvic PT yeah so uh throughout the lifespan you can go see a public PT. They're pediatrics through geriatrics. Um, and what I was saying before about like through, this is an exciting time because all specialties, like nursing included, are starting to get public health specialists. Mm, I happen to choose the physical therapy field to go into, but I knew that I wanted to be part of the medical world, be able to take insurance, be able to to be accessible to people who mm. need medical care. So. Um, that's where I am. And people would want to go see someone like who I'll be in a year and a half. Um, I mean, there's so many, like, would you like me to list off like reasons why people would yes. go see? Okay. Um, incontinence. So mm -hmm. some people, 
I didn't realize that the whole joke of, haha, I laughed so hard, I peed myself. Right. I didn't right. know that that was a real thing. Yes. And not just for people who've given birth, but people in their 20s. Yeah. Athletes, um, people who are older, all genders. So knowing that is like, oh, I, because I've never had that experience personally. I didn't realize how many people have, because we, we hide because we're ashamed because it's bathroom mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to do that. So people don't share it when it turns out like, a lot, a lot yeah. of people around me have peed themselves just a little. It's but why we got to talk about this stuff. It is it's so yeah. strange that we don't. Yeah. It's so common. Um, so that's unnecessary. So, yeah. of course, it's also irresponsible for me to say that there's hope for every single person to be 100% continent all the time. Like, I can't say it's all going to be perfect, right? But we can mitigate tons of issues. So um, I was mainly interested in PT at the beginning for pelvis is because so many of people after workshops I would teach came up and would secretly tell me about their pelvic pain. And I had very few tools. I had no idea what to do. I'd be like, do kegels. I don't know, which is don't, don't tell me to do kegels. <laughs> Just stop it and stop with the kegels. Why? Just stop tell, it. Tell me. <laughs> is it because of the overextension of the muscle and people aren't doing the like relaxation piece or? Like, I, I think kegels I, kegels. I think, okay, I think kegels have their place, but this was an idea that was, this was an exercise discovered and like sort of worked through like 70 years ago. We've, we've gone places since then. So yeah. a guy 70 years ago thinking of it, great, clench him. That's terrific. But I think there are lots of different exercises that I'm going to learn in a week and a half. But, but yeah, one thing is just that's one direction and you have to go the opposite direction, which is relaxation and sort of yeah. like dropping the hammock. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that's what I use, like, but the, I, I learned techniques pre, like, in my birthing yoga mm-hmm. doula mm-hmm. situation, which mm-hmm. was like, oh, that kind of like push out, mm-hmm. like, let it all soften. Yeah, was the piece that for me, I was like, oh, I think that my PC muscles have been a bit overextended, and now I can like get cozy on a chair and I can like feel the relaxation of my muscles where almost there's like a little bit of a puckering out like the yeah they drop down yes yeah and it was really helpful but yeah that's so interesting because most people think of kegels and they think squeeze 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 squeeze. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. hold I'm just sitting here thinking about my pelvic floor right now I'm like (laughs) yeah it's a tell and for anyone listening when we say pelvic floor just if you think of like the pelvis, like that weird shaped bone that like with your hip bones and all that, there is kind of a hammock shaped bowl of muscles. And just, we just call that the pelvic floor. Just and to it make really it holds easy. all your bits up, right? Yeah. It, it does. It's there is, sling. there are ligaments there. There's a sling. There's ligament yeah. slings. Like there's other stuff. It's not just muscle. There's fascia and ligaments. Like the, luckily we have other aspects to our pelvic floor but the muscles are what we can breathe into to drop down and lengthen and then kegel when we kegel we talk about like tightening and then kind of shortens the muscles and it comes up to be almost like flat Mm -hmm. Uh, so so that's the kind of the imagery is like we tighten we pull upward um on (laughs) on people with uh, testes we we would say uh nuts to guts and that (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, i love it um so full range flexibility of of your pelvic floor would be a great thing to be able to do. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about me for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, when I was pregnant the first time, after about six months, mm-hmm. I started getting this very sharp stabbing pain. Mm-hmm. And um, w- just like whenever I'd move my legs. And mm-hmm. then the second time, it went away after birth. And then the second time, 
it it started like at month two. Oh, wow. And there is like oh. a point where like I remember specifically being like nine months pregnant oh. or eight months pregnant, walking the three blocks from the pleasure chest to Whole Foods <laughs> and having to just sit down and cry for a while because oh. I was like, I don't think I can make it. Oh. And then how am I going to get back? <laughs> yeah. And I just I think I walked back. It was terrible. What is your pelvic floor specialist? Yeah, you absolutely. I'm kind of upset that I did it because um, my doctor was just like, yeah, that happens. Oh, (sighs) that's because you're he was like, you're relaxing or whatever has like relaxed your ligaments and whatever. And it's like you probably have a pinched nerve, right? At your pubic bone. (laughs) So I just dealt with it by like Mm -hmm. crying and grinding my teeth Mm -hmm. I generally know at this point in my education like what we would want to look at so like I'd have a lot of questions to ask you like where is it what does it feel like is it around your butthole is it like near the front like if and then after asking a lot of questions to get a sense of it or when does it come on when or is it always just all those questions that doctors need to ask then I would go into a physical uh, exam where I'd maybe like press around your pu- your uh, pubic symphysis which is in the middle front like yeah. down and then like just press on your bones to see if maybe there is something with relaxing like right. making your ligaments but the thing is if even if you're a little relaxed like we can for people who have what we call ligamentous laxity right because people have it in their shoulders they have it all over mm-hmm. their body where your ligaments which support and hold everything in place might be a little too loose, might be a little relaxed. So what do we do? We work on muscles that help actively pull things in and support them. So there are ways to get around laxity. So to just say, oh, you're just getting lax. You're just going to get pain. Like, screw that. Yeah. Like we pull in the reinforcements and like get you supported. Yeah. And then I'd want to see, make sure you're symmetrical. Um, But then makes me curious, like, is this pain coming from a nerve? Is is the nerve because a muscle's too tense and like clenching the nerve? Yeah. You know, I, there's just a lot of things that I'd want to check out. I'm like, I just have the urge to put my finger in your butthole. Like, I'm just be like, <laughs> only like this much, but just like a little bit. Just be like, but I, I'll learn. Okay, about well, that. this is this is one of the stories I wanted to tell. Yeah, and uh, maybe for folks to kind of know what to expect because. Uh, my neighbor has given birth. It's almost been a year now, actually, which is amazing. But there was just a variety of things coming up for her, right? After mm-hmm. giving birth. And so she was referred to a pelvic PT. Mm-hmm. When she went to her first appointment, they were like, okay, now you will disrobe and we are going to check things out. And she was like, uh, no one prepared her for like that she was going to get any kind of exam or like, you know, need to take her clothes off. And she's thinking she's going to a PT. So (laughs) they rescheduled and she went back when she felt more prepared for that. But what do people need to be prepared for when seeing a pelvic PT? Okay, it's hard because I don't know who this person is. They will eventually be my colleague and I need to have a certain amount of professional respect for this person. I also want to slap them like a little (laughs) bit because there's this thing called trauma-informed care, which you've probably heard of and not everybody is educated on it. I I need plenty of more education uh, over the years with this, but... I, one of the main, knowing that people who've given birth or just people in general, lots of people have medical trauma. 
Um, so I want anyone who steps to the doors and a lot of PTs already know this, that, that they're in charge of their body and what they do with their body. So if you don't want to take off your clothes, that's cool. Um, there are some treatments um, and assessments where you kind of need to like have your eyes on the prize uh, downstairs and stuff, but you can do plenty without having to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So if someone is uncomfortable, I could do an entire evaluation and some treatment with all clothes on and no hands near their pelvis yeah. like it maybe can only go so far i i feel like a lot of people hold trauma there absolutely you know it's like the whole like i've definitely had those yoga experiences where like i've stretched that my hips to a, a point where i just free form cry oh you know yeah i got a Let lot of tension out. in my vagina yeah yeah there is a lot of tension that lives there yeah, yeah. So in terms of like the basics of what someone should be, I'm mean, just like going to the PT, like you sit in the waiting room, they probably give you a clipboard with more forms than you would prefer to fill out. You fill out the forms, you know, somebody brings you back to an exam room, uh, the PT comes in, there's most likely going to be a conversation. We call that the subjective, which is just asking a lot of questions about things. Um, the Then comes the objective part where there might be some like, let me see how you move. Let me like check, you know, symmetry. Let me see some, you might press on some things. We'll have you move, measure like angles of, you know, how your hip is. Then, you know, so we call that the objective. It doesn't have to be naked and it does so but for a pelvic pt that would be part ideally would be part of it mm -hmm. but of course now my pelvic pt was like you know if you don't want to do that today we don't have to maybe we can we can talk about the second visit or the third visit so you can yeah. push that down to when the person may become more comfortable yeah um and then you might try some treatment options to like help alleviate if it's pain you want to do what you can that day to reduce pain and so like throw some stuff at them that day yeah yeah so that's sort of the basics of what a an 45 minute treatment eval would look like is that helpful yeah okay great people find them is this something you get referred to by your doctor or can you get them outside of that system yeah the joys of podcasting is that anyone on earth can download this however not everywhere are they available okay. so accessibility it's hard when people are like just go see a public pt and it's like yeah but Part of why I'm in school for this and a lot of students, like I have two other classmates out of 42 who also want to be pelvic PTs is we have a, um, we don't have enough people trained mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. And most PTs don't want to go downstairs. I just keep saying downstairs. It's like my yeah, favorite. It, but, it's, <laughs> but it's just, there's so much shame around it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a little, it's Nick. People who want to go work on baseball shoulders don't want to be up in a butt, you know, and I get it. Right. I get it. Right. Right. You know, same license, but different interests. Huh? Yeah. So much more interesting than baseball shoulders. Right. Well, but don't you think a lot of athletes oh, yeah. or former athletes are drawn to physical therapy as a modality? And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's like we need more like sexuality informed oh, yeah. Yeah. and affirming. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Practitioners in all areas of medicine. Especially since a lot of athletes have incontinence issues because they're yeah. overtraining and like not supporting from the pelvis correctly mm. and dancers. Yeah. You mentioned athletes earlier. And is that because there is such an overdevelopment of certain muscle groups that they then run into issues? Or what is that about? Um, I think I've attended some talks about it, but I don't remember exactly what it is. It's a lot of, you know, honestly, we're all so unique. It can come from a lot of places, but uh, as you may have learned, tension does not equal strength. Yep. Mm. And when you're doing a lot of really intensely athletic movements, we support ourselves with our breath. Sometimes people will like <gasps> hold it in. 
right? Um, we call that a Valsalva maneuver where when you hold in your breath to make like your whole stomach core tight, mm -hmm. um, you become like this balloon and the bottom of the balloon is that hammock of muscles and has to get really tight. So the place where you air leaks basically is your bladder pushes down and like you oh. pee a little. So like CrossFitters, it's almost, I've heard for some, it's even a badge of pride to pee yourself a little because you're like, supporting so hard mm -hmm. so i think there are some more effective ways to do it so you don't give yourself a hernia or like well, you know um you know traumatize those muscles and they kind of start misbehaving and you have to go through like therapy for that so yeah there's just some aspects of of, of the pelvic floor it's a kind of a remarkable place because it's the bottom of your guts like yeah. everything from your diaphragm down is like shares an airspace and the pelvic floor kind of catches it at the bottom I wonder if humans have like a different relationship to the pelvic floor than other four-legged animals. Like, yeah, I know with like pregnancy, it's like a whole other ball game because of us being upright than it is for other animals. That's an interesting, you know, yeah. yeah. Gravity's not on our side. And no, I mean, it must yeah. be a lot more pressure. And there's like a lot of evolutionary changes that haven't like necessarily huh. adapted. But anyway, that's you know, my, my sister, hilariously, is in vet school. So I will have a veterinarian counterpart. Yeah. <laughs> and we do, like, we were just nerding out on wound care because I just got done with my... PTs apparently are, like, killer at taking care of wounds. Well, just FYI, okay. if you ever get, like, a gnarly... We're calling gash, you. Yeah. yeah. Sure, or another... Yeah, yeah okay, I'm going to continue now. I understand this now. <laughs> I'm really interested to see what your patient care is going to be like because you have, like, such a great sense of humor. You're kind of, like... You have a funness to you. Thank you. <laughs> and you're and you're such a nerd. And I mean that in the in a complimentary way. Thank you. Like what how do you think you're gonna what kind of relationship are, are you seeing with your what kind of PT are you gonna be? You know, I don't know. It's I have been hanging out with sex educators and mental health people and porn stars and like it has been fun and there's and being in LA, there's lots of actors. I've been around a lot of vivid personalities, you two included. Like, I would say people who go into PT, a lot of them tend to be really chill and uh, subdued, let's say. Mm -hmm. So it has been interesting to see how my personality does not match or even fit in well. Like, I'm not even the fun guy. I'm just like, oh, there's grandma weirdo over there because I'm older than everybody. And then so I don't know. I know that I need to assimilate into this space where professional respect is really important. With my patients, I am just going to be myself, but mm -hmm. I am working on not saying things that are inappropriate and are going to get me sued. Because I tended to be like, you know, like I had a class called Snatch Attack. Like, you know, there's a certain <laughs> amount of just loose, yeah, irreverent words. But people now, especially, I mean, there's one thing being like, called an expert people call me an expert you know call us experts right. as sex educators but I think as a because I will be called a doctor and so in that way I have to be so careful I think I'll probably be overly serious the first few years and then just really let loose yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's gonna get fun in 2026 oh my yeah God. yeah <laughs> figure out how to satulate it yeah, yeah because you know that's the thing is that like I do think that having a bedside manner that is accessible and authentic to you is going to really resonate with people. But I hear you on that, you know, like once there's a certain 
title and responsibility and ethics and all of that, Mm. that comes into play. Like that's going to take a little while for that persona perhaps to develop. And it's going to be interesting. It's interesting because I, okay. So my, even though I'm going to a place where I'm going to be treating like pelvic pain and sexual dysfunction and incontinence, those are the big ones, right? Of course, there's like cancer. I didn't even list all the stuff like people who've had cancer and people who've had prostatectomies and all sorts of basically anybody with any issues can go to a pelvic PT. But I also want to mine the field for like how, like if you're fine, how can you get better? How can your orgasms get better? How can your pleasure be expanded, right? And so I was very curious to see how the PT world and the medical world, like there's there's like, I'll be in class and be like, oh, this is really good for, you know, sex, you know, and I'll just write down stuff. Um, so I'm really excited to see how, as I synthesize the material, because I will be yeah. uh, doing clinical rotations next year, how in my boredom, We'll just start thinking about sex mm-hmm. and, and how to apply stuff. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so they never bring in to the, your education with this um, pleasure or sexual gratification no. or anything? No, no. We did talk about orgasm, a male ejaculatory orgasm for our, ner- uh, sorry, we were very neuro heavy. So it was for people with spinal cord injuries mm. and at different levels. And it was really interesting to learn about injury levels by who can ejaculate, who can't, who yeah. can have a pleasurable orgasm, but can't eat. It was like, you could either ejaculate or have a pleasurable orgasm, but you couldn't have both depending on where. Yeah. It was really interesting, but it was like, I was like, oh shit, we're talking about orgasms in class. We're... It was very yeah, exciting. Yeah. Well, there's only, I think right now, one or two medical schools in the country that offer sex education wow. too. And one of them I think is University of San Francisco. I, I might be saying that wrong, but mm. yeah, it's really enraging, disheartening. <laughs> yes, enraging. That was actually the first interaction that I had with a pelvic PT was a group of a group of three pelvic PTs came to my G spot and squirting class. Ooh. And I talked to them afterwards. And it was like one of those moments where I was really like I felt so good because they were very affirming of like Mm -hmm. the information I had shared around kegels. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was like getting tested, you know, but they were (laughs) like, oh, you talk about it the right way. And I was like, oh, Oh, and then they were just sharing about that um, for them, a lot of folks are coming to them and then having some you know, kind of auxiliary issues around orgasmic response. And so they were doing continuing education to like fill in the gaps where they didn't have knowledge. And so then I got to ask them some questions because I had never heard of a pelvic PT. But that's why I'm so excited that you're going to be doing this work because you're going to be informed on so many other levels that I think a lot of folks will not be. Oh my God. Do you even understand the amount of shame and regret I've had in my classes when I realize how like, oh, I did bad sex ed. Oh, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I've had all of these. And I've had those moments. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we do the best we can, but we're filling such a huge gap in culture and shared knowledge. So you're going to make mistakes sometimes. We do the best we can to be, you know, evidence-based and fact-driven, but like, damn, like just especially about the Kegels thing is just, ah, kills me sometimes. Yeah. Have you shared with anyone in your class or your instructors that time that we had a, um, uh, in-house kind of education at the pleasure chat? Is this one the person sat on my hand? 
Yes. And we had the the person who was basically a, perf- you know, pro um, fisting bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And I vividly remember you putting <laughs> your full hand in his hand. For the record, he sat on my hand up to my forearm. <laughs> I I was told just to, uh, you know, silent duck my hand straight up to the ceiling and he just sat on it. Yeah. You know, so the, I, wow. while it would feel his heart beating, I could, yeah, I could feel his pulse, you know, which artery, who knows, but like I was in there, I was, I was. And have there. you shared that story with your Not classmates. in class, <laughs> a couple of classmates just to scare them. Here's the thing that has really been fascinating is even though my classmates, bless, they're so sweet and they're so smart, brilliant, brilliant. It's amazing to see ambition and intelligence and all of those things like not broken yet. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mid-20s is a beautiful time. Um, glorious kids. I mean, adults. <laughs> um, but I found that I think people feel like they have to already know everything. So yeah, even though right. some people... Like some people have questions. Some people will be like, just ask Sandra. And like, no one will actually ask me. Mm-hmm. So I have very, so it's been interesting. But I, somebody did bring up, like found out fisting was a thing. And that, that brought up a conversation. I was like, oh yeah, this one time this guy. And oh, yeah, I was like totally sigmoid colon. I was like, at the sigmoid colon, my friends. Yeah. And, you know. That's I'm so amazing. Fisting is a thing? <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, you can go up to your elbow. <laughs> well, this was informative entertaining thank you heartfelt oh vulnerable all the things i can't wait i do think we need a yearly check-in on the pelvic floor yes see where you're at where what's going on with your career and the knowledge that you've gained because we want to suck it all out of you i am glad to that would be really fun yeah please have me back i look forward to listening i'm really excited about what you two are creating and Anything coming up for you that you want to tell people about, or it's all personal life now? Yeah, no, don't don't look me up. Don't I mean, follow don't, me. Don't follow me. <laughs> no, no fo- Twitter. No, if you look up Sex Nerd Sandra the podcast, it's still there. It is, and yeah. it's. I realize some of the language now is very outdated, especially about like uh, trans issues and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how much changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ten years. I I only realized I was a gender at the very end. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just crazy. It's it's wild. And but it's there and there's lots of cool topics, but that's wherever you want to listen to a podcast. But don't 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 look for me. I will be there. I, won't be there. I don't want to be found. <laughs> it's all a ghost town on the Internet. Leave it alone. Well, I'm glad we found you, Sandra. Thank Thanks you. for coming in. Appreciate it. So good. That was amazing. I I so many. I learned a lot. Is what I'll say about Sandra in particular, or the field, or I mean, all of it. I I would say what was kind of profound to me was that Sandra shared with us why they stopped doing the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. What a vulnerable share, and how enlightened I was. That would never have occurred to me that being a public figure was actively re-traumatizing them, you know, from their childhood. Yeah. I mean, just like goes to show that you can really never know what somebody else is going through. Yeah. I really appreciated that they gave us insight into that and we're comfortable sharing all of that. Yes. I, I was very grateful for that. Yeah. That that was deep and meaningful. And then um just learning more about this whole 
um, kind of semi-new field mm-hmm. of study and medicine to do with the pelvic floor. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I, I mean, I just think that Sandra would be such <laughs> I, I, if like, <laughs> get in there, I want you in my pelvic floor region. I mean, massaging the, it, helping me, you know, please massage my pelvic floor. <laughs> please. The, the compassion that they had for me in my pregnancy story mm-hmm. was so, um, like my past self felt some relief from that, yeah. you know, because it was like recognized in, and they handled it with such care. Yeah. Like, this is what I want. I they, want. We all need those kinds of compassionate yeah. providers. Yeah. And like, informed providers. So many people go to specialists and are just like really tight and don't, and you can have this really profound experience. I imagine that Sandra is going to be that for their patients. And so sensitive, just more care and compassion is coming into the world and I'm here for it. And I love that Sandra is like on the front lines of that. Yeah, 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 totally. So we'll definitely have to have them back especially once they're practicing so that mm-hmm. folks can know where to find them. Yeah. And I want to get a gyno table in here and some stirrups yeah. and do like a podcast massage because I definitely need some sort of pelvic floor massage. Wow. Just even oh if gosh, for my own pleasure. If we just like had the mic set up. <laughs> like, what does a pelvic floor do? What does it sound like? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no that's definitely with my misophonia. I would not want to hear. <laughs> In my headphones, what a pelvic floor massage sounds like. But yeah, that was great. I did want to do a pro tip good around this episode. Because Sandra did speak to feeling like for a long time they had been teaching and misinforming people around how to do kegels. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do a little breakdown. Let's do it. Because I love working your kegels. Work it, Sarah. So here's my understanding, and I did do a little bit of research. And I know we talked about this a little bit, but a lot of people think of doing a PC muscle rep as that squeeze, like that squeeze and hold. Mm-hmm. And as Sandra was explaining, what that does is it really only works one side of the muscle. Mm. And like to have really strong muscles, you need to have elasticity. I'm practicing right now as you're oh, great. talking. Yeah. It's, it's almost I involuntary. Do, I, I can do it and talk at the same time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Talent. <laughs> Talent. Um, when we think of the squeeze, actually what can be really helpful is thinking of like a pulling in. And this is where the Kegel exercisers, there's one that I found online that I actually hadn't seen before that I'm excited about, the Ruby Cup. You can just go to rubycup.com. It has a really nice shape to it. It almost looks like a little sperm actually, Ooh. but it's it's something that you would be able to like feel it pulling up into your body. Mm. And this is the other element of it is that you want to work the full length of the muscle. When you're just like doing a squeeze, it really just works that area right around, say like the vaginal, kind of like the bottom of the muscle Mm -hmm. or maybe the top, depending on how you're orienting it, like right around the vaginal opening. But when you have an exerciser that you can actually feel pulling up into your body or that runs the full length of your vaginal canal, Mm -hmm. you can sense where you're squeezing because you get the biofeedback. So one thing you want to make sure that you're doing is the deep muscle as well as just sort of the surface muscle. 
And that's where the exercisers can be really helpful. Now, the other piece of it, and also you can visualize, like imagine like a marble and you're pulling it all the way up into the depths of your vaginal canal and then pushing it back down. Yeah. So there's a pull in, but the intentionality on the release for many people is way more important than on the Titan. Wow. And so some things you can do for that is to breathe in on the release because we put more attention to what we do on an inhale than what we do on an exhale and then exhale on the Titan. Okay. And then another thing that I found, uh, the vagina coach, um, has a whole bunch of pelvic floor programs that look pretty good. You can just go to the vaginacoach.com. Um, one thing that I notice that she talks about on her site is this, and this is where I have miseducated people. Mm. Like, you can just do it at the stoplight. She's like, no, don't mm. do that because you're not really putting your focus into okay. it. Yeah. So it's about having intentionality and being in a space where you can really focus. You actually, I feel like gave me a tip forever ago, which is that you keep your kegel balls in the shower yeah. and on like hair washing day, because mm -hmm. that's a longer shower. Usually <laughs> you pop them in and you kind of focus on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a great way for people to incorporate their kegel exercises into their routine. Uh, so it's, it requires focus. Think about pulling in to your body rather than tightening. And you don't want to be, you are not trying to squeeze your butthole Oof, or hard. your stomach, your core. What you want to do is you can sit on a chair and you can, you know where the taint is, the yeah. perineum in between the balls and the ass or the vaginal opening and the anus. You can sit on a chair and you can actually feel it. You pull your perineum up. Mm. You can feel it kind of lift from the chair. And then when you release, you want to make sure that you're like releasing it back down to touching the chair. It's so I'm trying to do it now, of course. Mm -hmm. It is really hard to relax your stomach yeah. and your ass. Yeah. And just do that one and spot. There's gonna be some activation of those muscles, but as much as you can isolate the actual PC muscles, yeah. the better because a lot of us really easily shift into those other muscle groups. And particularly for folks who have tight pelvic floors, they tend to also have tight asses. Uh -huh. And so like squeezing your butthole is not gonna solve the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> you really is about relaxation. Yeah. And you can go like all out with it. You can get some coconut oil or some lubricant and like do a really nice, you know, perineum massage before you work the muscles. You can get as fancy or intentional about it as you want. But I would recommend for anybody who's dealing with either issues of incontinence or, you know, um, going through menopause or uh, recovering from birth or planning for birth or whatever, maybe look up one of these programs because there are some guided yeah. information. I mean, take it. care of that vagina. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does so much for us. So much. It's done a lot for me. Yes. <laughs> you know? And others. Yes. So yeah. um, <laughs> got to take care of that vagina. I feel um, more uh, just this whole 
I'm ready to take better care of my vagina. I think uh, she's gotten a little overlooked and um, she works hard Mm -hmm. and she deserves (laughs) a massage Mm -hmm. and, you know, a a little exercise now and then. A workout, a workout routine Uh that you can stick to. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find us on interweb. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Pod. Send us your questions. If you have great tips on how to do your kegels, how you fit them into your routine, we want to hear about it. Have you seen a pelvic floor specialist of any kind? What was your experience like? We want to hear from you. Till next time. Knocking them out of the park. Fuck Yeah podcast is produced and hosted by me, Sarah Tom Chesson, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is produced and performed by she, her, sir. You can find out more about what we're up to at fuckyeahpod.com or reach out directly at fyeahpod at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the pod, give us a hand. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen, and make sure to share it with a few friends. Thanks so much for tuning in.